Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Worship Team Podcast. This is Alex and Fiegin, your host. Thanks so much for tuning in today. I hope this episode encourages you um, in your worship leadership and in your walk with the Lord. And, and this episode is actually a really important one because we're not talking particularly about worship leading. We're talking about worshiping and the importance and power of personal worship. That's, that's the theme today, the importance and power of personal worship. And I get a chance to talk with Stephen Miller, who is the worship pastor out at Prestonwood Baptist Church in Plano, Texas. Um, Stephen took time out of his busy schedule to, to share with us about his new book, Liberating King, and really just about worship and how personal worship of God changes everything. It's the foundation. Um, it's the grid through which we should view life. And so um, I'm excited to share this episode because I know personally, like, it seems like worship leaders would just be good at spending time worshiping God. And I mean, in some senses, we are, but in a lot of senses, it's hard. It's it's a hard spiritual discipline to be silent at the feet of Jesus and not let our minds wander and not let our our hearts be distracted or, or our minds be thinking about what's next. Or, I mean, I don't know about you, but sometimes I just read the words on the page and they don't really even sink in. So I want to grow in my personal worship of Jesus because it is the foundation of everything else that I'll do. And so um, I, I hope that you're the same as me. You want to grow and be more comfortable being before the Lord in worship. And so that's what this episode's all about. I'm excited to share it with you. So let's just jump right into our interview with Stephen Miller. Hey, everybody. I am here with Stephen Miller, uh, who just met, but I'm excited to get to know him better. And I'm excited for him to share with you guys this morning. Uh, or this morning, what am I talking about? <laughs> share with you guys. So, um, Stephen, if our listeners don't know who you are, can you um, just share a little bit about who you are, where you are, and what you do? Yeah, I'm a worship pastor. I live in Dallas, Texas with my wife and our five kiddos. I'm at a church called Preston Wood. I've uh, been here since January 1 and uh, loving it, just loving uh, this church and uh, traveling to lead worship all over the world and writing books and all kinds of things like that. And God's just really been good to us. So That's right. Yeah, if you guys don't know, Stephen wrote the book, Worship Leaders, We Are Not Rock Stars, which I highly recommend. And he recently wrote a book called Liberating King, How Worship Frees Us from, what is it, the tyrannical power of sin or something like that? Yeah, breaking free from the tyranny of sin. Yeah, there, that's... there you go. So, uh, and I'm excited actually to talk to you, Stephen, because um, today on the podcast, we're talking about personal worship. And, um, I, you know, the, the thing about your book is, is it talks about how worship changes everything. You know, worship breaks us free from sin, from worry, from despair, from it helps us suffer well. So, and I, I know, and you and I were talking before we hit record, just like the difficulty that many worship leaders have sitting down in a room with a chair and a Bible and spending time alone with God. But that really is where, you know, change happens in our lives and, and it's the source of everything. So I'm just curious if you'd share, why did you write this book? Like, what was it that you said, we need, we need a book like this right now? Mm -hmm. Well, you know, uh, if you're like me, 
uh, all day long, every day, you're being bombarded with lies. And, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm driving down the road, I'm listening to the radio, and the songs and the commercials are all filling my mind with, if I do this, I'll be happy. If I have this, I'll be happy, whatever. All the while, billboards are doing the same thing. I get to the grocery store, uh, you know, walking down the aisles, magazine covers are telling me, you know, what kind of body I need to have, what kind of house I need to have, where I need to go on vacation, how often I need to be having sex and what kind of sex I need to be having, all kinds of things like that. And and there's just these messages constantly coming at me, lies really constantly coming at me. Jesus said the truth will set you free. Uh, and so conversely, the, then a lie will keep me in bondage, right? And so I don't want to be in bondage. I don't want to be in, enslaved to my own fear of the unknown. I don't want to be uh, enslaved uh, by uh, approval of man needing to be approved of. I don't want to be enslaved by worrying about the future or, um, you know, uh, be, not being able to walk through suffering without, you know, feeling anxiety over that. I don't want to be enslaved to my own comfort and my own. There's all these things that if I don't actively daily reorient my life around the truth, then I'm not living a life of freedom that Jesus set me free for. I am living a life of bondage. And that's the power of worship. Whenever we uh, stand in the presence of Jesus Christ, the liberating King, we are encountering the person of truth, Jesus Christ. I'm the way, the truth, and the life, right? I am the truth. Jesus says that. We're, uh, we're being filled with the spirit of truth, right? That's Jesus said it's good for me to go away because if, if I go away, I'm going to send you the spirit and he is the spirit of truth. And in 1 Corinthians says the, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. So uh, Ephesians 5, Paul commands us, don't be drunk on wine. Don't live uh, like you are of the world, but instead be filled with the spirit, encouraging one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. So there's this element of when we worship Jesus, we're being filled with the spirit of truth, the spirit of liberty, right? And then Jesus prays the high priestly prayer, God sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. So whenever we are worshiping, we're also meditating on and rehearsing the truth. So long as what we're uh, praying and singing and reading is the truth of God's word, right? And so um, worship is a gift for our freedom. It's a gift from God to set us free, to liberate us from the power of, of lies to set us in bondage by reorienting us around the truth. Mm. That's really good. So, I mean, and that was kind of a question I was going to ask later, which is like, what is the fundamental thing that happens when we see and worship God for who he is? And you just, you answered that question right there. Um, it, it reorients our our life, our, our vision, our priorities, and everything else kind of falls away. Um, by the wayside. So that's really cool, man. Um, in the book, uh, in the first chapter, I think you talk about this moment of personal worship where, where you were kind of, I think you were leading worship somewhere at, at an event and you were really struggling uh, at that point of your life with, I don't know if it was sin or doubt. And you were just, you, you felt like shackled and enchained and you, you broke away from, you know, the busyness of the schedule there and you climbed up on a mountain by yourself, got alone with God and you just worshiped him, you poured out your heart to him, and you had this kind of breakthrough moment. Um, can you kind of just describe that time of personal worship and what was happening there? Yeah, you know, um, I think from <laughs> from about 2010 to, uh, you know, 2015 uh, were some of the hardest years of 
my life, my family's life, my wife's life, uh, we're just dealing with a lot of uh, different types of uh, social anxiety, relational anxiety, stress, uh, unbelief, um, pride for me, um, lack of empathy with my wife over some things. Uh, we, you know, we're, we're just going through a lot of, of, of things that were incredibly stressful and unearthed in me a lot of my own idols uh, of approval of man, uh, you know, needing to be in control, needing to be right. Um, you know, needing to be well thought of, needing to have respect and power and, you know, things like that. I mean, there's just a lot of types of things. And so much of what worship leaders, we're not rock stars, actually came out of that as well. Um, just kind of seeing in my own heart and in my own life uh, these struggles that I needed to, to speak the truth over myself. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it was sort of one of those really, really dark seasons for me. Uh, that summer, I was just experiencing a, a season where I, I, I was recognizing more than ever before the necessity of time with him in private. Uh, time. Jesus set this example. You know, he says, "Beware of practicing your righteousness before men to be seen by men." But instead, go and get alone with the Father. Go into your closet and pray, where the only one that can see you is the Father. And and he himself practiced that. You know, it's not like he wasn't a busy guy. He was constantly doing ministry, constantly working for the Lord, constantly preaching, constantly healing people, constantly feeding people, constantly doing all kinds of things. And yet as the crowds would press in, what did he do? He would get away and go up onto a mountaintop, right? And so it was one of those weeks. It was a really, really, really busy week. And uh, and I had a couple hours to spare, and I just was like, you know, I'm going to take the Lord's lead, and I'm going to go up onto this mountaintop. You know, retrospect, maybe not the best idea. There were mountain lions and bears and stuff like that that could have gotten me, but I was by myself just getting along with the Lord. And uh, I mean, He just met me there and reminded me that He is everything and more than enough, and uh, He is more than powerful to uh to to be stronger than the storms in my life they're in the boat with me uh he's in control so i don't have to be you know he thinks well of me so other people don't have to my worth is found as a, a redeemed and adopted child of god uh his love proved for me at the cross i don't need it from from people and i'll never be able to love people well if i'm constantly wanting something from them and so it was just a, a real profound moment for me and, uh, and, and kind of what kicked off this book. Mm, that's really, really cool. And, and I don't think, I mean, it, maybe he would have found some other way to get through all of those messages to you. But I feel like because you broke away, because you went up the hill, because you spent time, he, he, you had the mental clarity and the space. You had given God the space to speak to you. And I think that's mm-hmm. so important in making time to to be alone at the feet of Jesus and, and with the Father. Um, and Stephen, I, I want to ask you a question, too, because I know you're a busy guy. I mean, you're writing books, you're, you're um, recording albums, you're leading worship. You've got a family of five, four, four kids? Five kids, yeah. Five kids. So um, how, like, how do you break away? How do you make time? I, I feel like after I had kids, uh, personal worship got a lot harder to, to make a yeah. priority. 
Yeah, yeah, it is. I mean, I, I think it's a, it's called a discipline for a reason, you know. Uh, the the spiritual disciplines are not called like the spiritual recreations, you know. Yeah. Uh, and though sometimes those disciplines can be very refreshing and fun, you know, even uh, it, it is something that you have to discipline yourself to do. So for me, you know, the discipline for me, I love music. Music is just such an incredible uh, gift from God. And so uh, one of the disciplines that I have is uh, when I get in the car and I, ha- I mean, I live in the DFW area, so I drive probably two and a half hours a day. Wow. Uh, I can, you know, I can choose to fill my time listening to the new Radiohead album or whatever, which is a great stuff. I mean, good, good music, you know, or I can sit in silence and say, God, here I am. I'm listening. Will you speak to me uh, by your spirit, by your word? Would you uh, call into my recollection a scripture that I need to be meditating on? I'll put on, I use the ESV app uh, from my Bible. I'll listen to my Bible reading plan for the day. I'll put on worship music and I'll, you know, sing my guts out, you know, from at the top of my lungs and no one can hear, no one's listening, you know. I mean, people next to me at a stoplight or whatever may think, who's that crazy guy right there? But I mean, I don't care. I have to keep my eyes open so no one dies. Uh, but, you know, I, I, it really is uh, an incredible time where my car kind of becomes in a sense, like the Holy of Holies every, every time that I, I mean, Jesus is, is sure to meet me there. He's, he's promised when I draw near to him, he'll draw near to me. And, and really, I mean, when I get to work, I co-office with two other guys, you know, so I can't do it there. When I go home, kids are jumping all over me, so I can't do it there. I, my baby wakes up before I do, you know, so I can't even get up early enough to do it at my home. So it's like, sort of that that sacrifice of saying you know what like i'm 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 not gonna do anything in these moments in my car but seek you lord no that's really good i think i think uh a lot of worship leaders you know are in the same boat as you and i and and what you're saying is get creative with your time like look for blocks of time that are unutilized where you can spend that time with god it might be a lunch hour it might be like you said in your car and the nice thing about the bluetooth headsets nowadays is you could actually just be praying to god out loud and instead of people thinking that you're crazy they think you're on the phone so i yeah. I'd suggest people try that yeah. um and and there's something else too that i i was reminded about recently which is like you know we think about, oh, worship, God only wants us to sit in a chair and read our Bible with him. But, you know, even doing this podcast with you, Stephen, is like we're, we're recording right now. This is worship. Like this, this yeah. it's, it may not be sitting at Jesus's feet, but but we're inviting him into this process and we're doing something that we're trying to honor him with. And that that pleases him, too. So so even though, you know, this isn't maybe personal worship, we can all of our lives are worship. But I think we're honing in on that fact of it's important for worship leaders to get away, break away and make time to be with Jesus. Um, I got another question for you too, because in your book you talk about um, you're the king of multitasking. You, you're on Twitter, you're watching a game, you're talking to your wife, and you're leg wrestling with your kids all at the same time or something like that, right? And, <laughs> and um, I, I feel like, you know, ever since the internet broke onto the scene, uh, many, many, many people have, have become addicted or distracted with the constant... Um, downloading of information, you know, mentally, like needing to check your Twitter or check your email. And I know a lot of uh, worship leaders who struggle with just being alone and being silent before the Lord or, or having their mind not wander 
or run off. Um, and I think besides the internet, there are also, you know, driven people like, I don't know, I feel like I'm a driven person. And so I'm always like planning my day out. So instead of sitting and reading, I'm like already thinking ahead, like, okay, I'm like distracting myself. So, so what are some ways in your personal worship that you silence that noise? Um, what is, what has been helpful for you in your pursuit to just like clear your mind and, and not be distracted? Yeah, I mean, I think you just be present, you know, and this is a practice that we need to revive, you know, the, 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 the ministry of presence, you know what I mean? And that can be in, in, in quiet time with the Lord. That can be just being with my family, being with my kids, being with the people I'm ministering to at my church. If they're telling me, you know, I mean, it can be so easy. Someone's bearing their soul before you, that they're struggling with some things and you're just thinking about like a million other things. So like practicing being present. So a couple of things that I do, uh, I have all the notifications on my phone turned off. So, I, I mean, I don't, I don't get that constant buzz uh, telling me I've got an email or I've got a, a tweet or I've got an Instagram like or whatever. I don't have any of that going on because I know myself, you know. I, I also spend good chunks of the year where I'll co- I mean, I'll just take a month off or a couple weeks off or whatever from any kind of social media because it is so addicting. And it, I mean, it really is like a drug in a lot of ways. And so um, just kind of saying, you know what, I'm not going to choose to be ruled by that stuff right now. Um, and, and then and then just like really sticking to it, you know. And, and so whenever I'm sitting down to read God's word, uh, I actually use my phone generally to do that. Or I use my computer to do that. I'll go on ESV.org and I'll read and there's just such great helpful commentary and it makes sense for me to do that because I can do that anywhere. I mean, I can, you know, I have to carry a, you know, 10 pound Bible in my backpack all the time. Mm-hmm. I've already got enough 10 pound objects in there uh, that, you know, I can just sit down and, and, you know, if I've got five minutes at the doctor's office where I've got some time, I can pull out my ESV. I can, you know, I can read it from my phone. Uh, you know, so I, I don't know. I mean, I think you can try to minimize distraction as much as you can, but I don't know you're ever really going to be in a world anymore that they're not there. So that's where we come back to that discipline thing. And, you know, you want to do as much as you can. If you're on a diet, you don't want a bunch of Twinkies in the house, you know, or whatever. But, like, so you, so you want to set parameters in place to where you're not being in situations where you're constantly distracted. And you just figure out, figure out what those are for you. Some of that might even be sin uh, for you. And you need to get covenant eyes on your phone. You know, you need to have your restrictions and give your wife the password and you don't know it. You know, there there could be things like that, too. You're distracted by your own sinful heart, distracted by your own whatever, um, and, you know. But uh, I, I think ultimately it boils down to find those times that you can silence the world, sit in silence and just say, here I am when I'm listening to you. Mm-hmm. For some people, that looks like scheduling it on your calendar because it's not going to happen if you don't put it on your calendar. Right. Uh, but for me, my calendar is so nuts that it, it, it works more for me to say, you know what, I've got this free time right now. I've got these 10 minutes. I've got this 15 minutes. I've got, you know, and so it, it happens throughout the day in smaller bursts that keep me meditating on the scripture all throughout the day rather than, all right, I checked it off the list. I did my hour with God this morning or whatever, you know. Like, yeah. 
because often that will that will wear off by lunchtime. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And and the distractions thing, like you said, it's really based on per person because like you know some per, some people might be distracted by Facebook and some people might be distracted, like you said, by sin. And so, I mean, for the Facebook person who just can't get a handle on it, they might need to just delete their Facebook account. And That's then true. you know, and then for the the sin the sinful you know, the person who is not feeling connected to God. And that's the next question. You know, you said sometimes we don't feel connected to God in our quiet times because we have uh, unrepentant sin in our lives. And that, that is so true. And that is like a biblical principle. And, um, like you said, those people need to deal with that sin. And I'm not ashamed to say like, I have restrictions on my phone and like, she's the only one with the password on for that. I, I can't go to any websites, and, and not even that I, I look at pornography or anything, but e- there's so many central images online everywhere. So it's like, I just don't even want to be tempted, you know? Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, it might be, that might be a reason why when people sit down to, to spend time with God, they don't feel him is because there's sin in their life that they, they're not dealing with. And, and I want to um, go back to that and ask you, is, are there any other things you tell somebody who, who maybe is just, they're not feeling connected to God in their quiet times, or how would you encourage somebody like that? Well, I mean, I'd I'd say you're in good company, you know? I mean, earnestly, I seek you in a dry and weary land where there's no water, you know? That could be very much, like, literal when David wrote that. Uh, You know, he was probably actually in a a desert area with no water, you know. Uh, But the spiritual side of that, too, is that sometimes you just go through dry seasons. You know, you do. And I think that there is such an act of, of worship to say, I'm not feeling it, but I know that God has promised his word will not return void. I know God has promised that He's with me whenever I, you know, when I draw near to Him, He is drawn near to me. So even if I don't feel it, my emotions, my emotions are so uh, fickle. Depending on what I ate for dinner last night, what my bank account looks like, did I get in a fight with my spouse? You know, how are my kids feeling? How much sleep did I get? I mean, there's just so many, so many variables. Uh, so I would say start with repentance. You know. Uh, without failure, there's going to be some sort of sin that you did, you know, in the mm-hmm. last 20, 24 hours that maybe you realize, maybe you don't. And so you say, Lord, shine the spotlight of your holiness into the dark places of my soul that I, you know, I can't see that I don't even realize that I've sinned against you. Forgive me for that. I confess that to you, Lord. Um, have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, you know, uh, blot out my transgression. And Jesus is faithful to do that. First John 1, 9. If you confess your sin, he's faithful and just to forgive you of your sin and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. So God's not playing hard to get, you know, that's not his, that's not his plan. That's not his way. He didn't do it like that. That's not how he rolls. So, uh, 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 repenting of your sin oftentimes, I mean, that is, that is a barrier. I mean, sin does create a barrier. It does separate us from God. Maybe not ultimately and eternally anymore now that we're in Christ, but it numbs our senses. Sin numbs our senses and it makes us stupid. So, um, I would say begin there and then maybe try and and freshen it up a little bit. You know, if you're doing, uh, you know, try, try a new sermon podcast, uh, try a new worship song of a different type of, you know, 
genre or, or band that you've never heard of before. Try a different book of the Bible. You know, if you're in a rut and all you ever do is read the Psalms and the Proverbs every day. I mean, I, I mean, there's 31 Proverbs. It's one for every day of the month, whatever. So I, I get it when people just want to stick to the Psalms and the Proverbs. And I know a lot of people who do that. But, you know, there's so much meat in in the rest of the Bible. Jesus is in all of it, you know? So, uh, you know, go read Revelation about when Jesus is going to return and uh, put sin and death under his feet and all things, make all things new. And, you know, there will be no more sorrow, no more tears. No, you know, if that does not, when you read about Jesus at the, you know, and all the angels and the saints around the throne, just crying out in worship and you read all about all of that and see what he's like. I mean, how can you not be moved? So, you know, Find things that stir your imagination and awaken your affections, and, uh, and and don't be lazy about that. Sometimes we feel dry because we're lazy, because we're being lazy. You know, we're not willing to go and find the wonder. Mm. And sometimes you got to chase down the wonder. You know. Yeah, that's really good. I love how how intentional you are about like drawing from different wells and and reading this or listening to that or <laughs> doing music or a sermon or maybe journaling. Like you're you're keeping it fresh and that's really cool. Yeah. And and Stephen, it's obvious that you have let the word of God sink into your heart um because it comes out of your mouth so easily. And uh, I know in the book you talk about meditation and you talk about really letting the word of God sink down deep, not just reading it, but let it sink down deep and and change your heart. And uh, I'd love to hear how you do that and, and share with our listeners how they can grow in meditating on the Word of God. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, a good Bible commentary is always helpful, you know, and oftentimes even multiple Bible commentaries. Obviously, the Word of God is king, but I don't, uh, I, I don't, uh, trust myself to interpret it properly every time. And I don't really even trust one person or one group or one denomination to interpret it properly. So I think a way that I do that is uh, I start generally always with the ESV and then I'll read uh, something, you know, paraphrase like Eugene Peterson's The Message, great paraphrase. It's not necessarily a translation, but a lot of times it'll it'll awaken my imagination about what something might mean. And then I'll read a lot of times the ESV Study Bible Commentary. I've got a, 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 an NASB Keyword Study Bible uh, that I read some commentary on that. And it, it does go into the Hebrew and the Greek meanings of different words. And just the more you can... Uh, dive down deep into the meaning. Uh, some of the things you need to guard yourself on that, though, is becoming a Pharisee uh, and becoming so consumed with like knowing the right stuff and filling your head with a bunch of good information that you aren't aren't coming at it in a posture of awe and adoration. You're coming at it in a posture of education. And God, you know, a Christian education is good, but the intention of it is to cause worship to happen in your heart. It's never meant to just fill your head with stuff. It's meant to to fill your heart with affection. So uh, I, I would say, I mean, in every situation, study, 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 drill down deep, find the meaning of what things were written for, who they were written to, what were the circumstances around that letter being written or this book being written or whatever. What were what were the people who were reading, who the, who were the intended readers? What were they going through? Well, you know, if the book of Ephesians, you know, was written 
to the people of Ephesus, you know, for a reason, for a very specific period in history. And whenever you know some of that and you know kind of who the Ephesians ended up being to where in Revelation they're saying like, look, you know, you've lost your first love, you know, kind of thing. Uh, you, you know, there there is a sense of um, it kind of awakens your senses to what some of this is. It becomes more than just words on a page. And then always let it uh, lead you to worship. You know, if you, if you read the scriptures and you're not worshiping, uh, and namely, I mean, praying song, you know, praying, singing, uh, praising God, uh, for what his word is, um, then you're reading wrong. You're reading it wrong. You know, yeah. <laughs> like it's, it should cause your heart to, to experience the presence of God and, and worship in, in response to that. Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of, uh, a lot of us, get in the habit of just reading and like mindlessly looking at words and letting our minds wander and like, okay, I read, but I found like for me, one of the most helpful things that I ever did to actually lock in what I read was to write down like what I was reading, like, okay, verse one, I would like write my own version of verse one and like what I understand it to mean in the context of the rest of it. And then like, I'd write Jeremiah 29 on top and then I'd go, you know, verse one. And then I write my, version of the verse and then I'd go to verse two and write my version. And like that way I understood it. And I remembered, Oh, I'm reading Jeremiah uh, 29 and this is what it says. And it like locked it into my mind. So that, that was helpful for me. And maybe that'll be helpful for some of our listeners, but um, for some people writing is, is a really helpful, what is it? Mnemonic, mnemonic device. (laughs) What's the word? Memorization. Mnemonic device. Something. I don't know. (laughs) Whatever. I'm not that smart. So, Hey, um, I'd love for you just to share maybe a couple more thoughts uh, about um, the importance and the power of worship. Just any other thoughts from your book um, that you want to share with our listeners about why they should be really seeking out the Lord? Yeah, (laughs) I mean, I, I mean, God doesn't tell us to seek him for no reason, you know. I mean, he is, he is our good. He is our ultimate good. He is our satisfaction. He is our joy. He is our sustenance. He is our strength. He is our protector. He is our defender. He is, uh, you know, our lover even. I mean, I, I don't mean that in a weird way, but like he is our lover. Like he loves our soul. He's our friend. He uh, is our cornerstone. He's our foundation. He is everything to us. I mean, literally everything to us. And when we don't go to him, one of the, you know, one of the Old Testament uh, prophets in Jeremiah, Jeremiah, obviously, he wrote uh, a word from the Lord. He says, you have abandoned me. You've forsaken me, the fountain of living water. And you are, are going after broken cisterns that can't hold water. And that's literally what we are doing maybe not literally, but figuratively what we're doing when we forsake spending time with him. We are choosing to do what Romans 1 says, exchange the glory of God for that of a lesser thing. We're, we're, we're exchanging the glory of the creator for something created. We're exchanging the glory of God, the, the, the one who makes all things for that of idols, who, who can't save, who can't even speak, who can't see, who can't do anything, and, and, and are powerless to, 
to give us the liberty our hearts long for. And that's the funny thing. We'll do these things thinking it's going to make us happy. We'll do these things thinking it's going to give us joy. It's going to give us satisfaction. And in reality, it's just going to rob us of those things. And all along, the fountain of living water wants to give us life, wants to give us freedom, wants to give us joy, wants to give us peace, wants to comfort us. That's who he is. And that's what he does. So to, to, to choose an idol, to choose whatever that thing might be for you, is to choose a lack of joy, is to, is to choose to be robbed of joy today, to, be, to choose to be robbed of satisfaction today, of peace and comfort and power and strength and all the things that God offers us in His presence. We are choosing to go without those things when we choose to, to ignore time with the Lord. That's powerful. Um, well, I, I'm about halfway through your book right now, and I've really enjoyed it. And um, I wanted to just ask you one last question, and, and, and that is this. What is the chapter in the book, um, Liberating King, that means the most to Stephen Miller? Like, what, worshiping the Liberating King frees Stephen Miller from what? Uh, I think the approval from being a proof of vampire. That was, my, that's, that was my main one. I mean, I think that so many stories in the book – uh, means so much to me from, you know, uh, I, I just put a lot, a lot of tears into writing that book. Um, you know, uh, to, uh, the, the, every chapter, I mean, every chapter, man, is it's, it's, I read every one and I, I forget that I wrote it because it just speaks to me still. Like, I mean, um, because it came from, from stories, from people's lives, from my own life, you know, and seeing the intersection of God at every point that we need him the most. He meets us where we need him most. And so, I, I mean, it's 120 pages, pretty big text. It's a quick read, you know, so it's hard for me to say, read one chapter or whatever. So that's my hope with the book is that people will be able to sit down with it, read it, be encouraged, you know, that I know everybody's busy, you know, so. Well, I'll definitely link uh, the book in the show notes, but where, I mean, obviously where can people get the book and then, and then how can our listeners stay connected with you online? Uh, yeah, I mean, the book's available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, you know, Lifeway, Family Christian Stores, Mardell, wherever, you know, you buy books, it's there. Or you can go to liberatingking.com, liberatingking.com, and, uh, you know, you can, the links to every store that you could think of is, are there. Um, but also, you can download my free uh, Liberating King album that we sort of did the album as a companion for the book. And so it's, you know, just some music hopefully that you can worship too and I'll encourage you as well uh, and that's free there at liberatingking.com as well cool and and they can find all your social stuff from your website as well stephenmiller.com it's stephen-miller.com stephen-miller.com yeah and um, I mean Twitter is just at Stephen Miller Instagram is at Stephen Miller uh, Facebook Stephen Miller Music and it's Stephen with a P-H it's not not with a V so S-T-E-P-H-E-N Miller um, and uh, Snapchat Stephen D. Miller 
or something nice. like that. <laughs> awesome, <laughs> awesome. If you Snapchat, you know. So. That's great. Hey, man, thank you so much for uh, sharing your wisdom. And I, I hope that um, our listeners will take to heart what you said about uh, the importance and the power of personal worship. And, and uh, guys, go check out Stephen's book and his books, actually. I'll link both of them in the show notes. But thanks, Stephen, and God bless you, man. Thanks a lot, Alex. All right, guys, that's it for today's episode. I hope it was helpful to you. Please go check out Stephen Miller's book. You can get it at stephen-miller.com, and I'm going to link everything in the show notes for you guys. So um, God bless you. Grow in your personal worship, and let that be the foundation for your ministry, your life, your relationships, and everything else. Let's let's not be people who just worship God from the stage, but who have a, a powerful, private prayer life. Um, in our prayer closet when no one's looking or in our car or wherever it is. But let's be true worshipers of Jesus, not just Sunday worshipers of Jesus. God bless you guys. Have a great week and I will see you back here next month for another great episode.